Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect. Welcome to Perfectville, your first place podcast for your third place need help to get into the playoffs. Miami Dolphins, part of the Believe Network streaming on Sirius XM, as well as some other places that I can't remember right now. Sorry, other places. My name is Sam Marku, and he is the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer. Of course, I'm talking about the good doctor himself, Dr. Christopher Colin. Doctor, how in the hell are you, my friend? (sighs) Whatever, Sam. It's the same shit every year. Is being a two-time Hall of Famer as a Dolphins fan the equivalent of a one-time Hall of Famer for any other team? Because I don't feel like it holds as much merit. I feel like being a two-time Hall of Famer for the Miami Dolphins or for being a Miami Dolphins fan is the equivalent of being the tallest midget. I mean, that's that's probably what it equates to. I mean, uh, like you said, whatever, the Miami Dolphins are still technically alive for the playoffs. We're going to talk about that, but man, they've got a lot of things. You know, they're swimming upstream while pushing a boulder up a hill, which is a starkly different and completely contrasting message that we had five weeks ago, Chris, when this team was eight and three, they're now eight and eight. They lose uh, to the New England Patriots. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater gets hurt. Skylar Thompson comes in Tua's still out. Uh, We signed Mike Glennon. Uh, I mean, there's just so much mayhem and calamity going on around this team here chris but uh despite all of that bet online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season everything from nfl and bowl season to esports you'll always find the latest odds team matchups info player news and game trends at bet online bet online features live betting free contests and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable we're the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit Make sure you use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. And we should start with this game here this weekend here, Chris. The Miami Dolphins, New York Jets. The Jets are officially eliminated from playoff contention. They are a no-go. The Miami Dolphins not only need to win against the Jets, who beat them earlier this season here, Chris, but they also need the Buffalo Bills. Strange bedfellows. We're rooting for the Buffalo Bills after the entire season of trying to beat them. Uh, to beat the New England Patriots. Because if the Jets beat the Miami Dolphins, the Dolphins are out. If the Patriots beat the Buffalo Bills, the Miami Dolphins are out. Here we are again. You and I talked about it off air here, Chris. We could have probably re-released last year's episode for week 18, and it would be the same exact content. We need help in order to get in, and the Miami Dolphins have nobody to blame but themselves. Yeah, it's um, been disheartening, I think, for both of us, uh, if I can speak for you as well. Um, considering where we were, you mentioned being eight and three, um, losing a couple here or there throughout the stretch. We imagine is possible. You're playing Buffalo, you're playing the Niners, you're playing the charge or whatever. Um, just the ways that we're losing and the ways we've ended up in this situation and where we are as we record this right now, it's, it's somebody took a shot of crazy juice. It, and it's just like, if someone told me before the season, Skylar Thompson is starting with Mike Glennon as backup against Joe Flacco. And we have to win and root for the bills to win for us to 
sneak in dragging and kicking into the playoffs, the most likely to play at Kansas City, I would have been like, you're fucking retarded. And I've been around this team my entire life. And I still would have been like, no way. That sounds too ridiculous. You're making that up. And it's true. It's so weird. And <laughs> we're sitting here. Skylar Thompson is starting um, against Joe Flacco. Their season's over. So why not end ours? There's a there's a real world possibility that we end this season uh, with a losing record um, on a gigantic losing streak six games to be uh, uh, as a matter of fact and Mike McDaniel randomly possibly mm, on the hot seat like this is this is crazy Sam like they're, they're I don't know it, it's the weirdest feeling I guess I'll say is that I'm so depressed and upset about the Dolphins and meanwhile we might go to the playoffs yeah so so much to unpack here. So many things going on around the league. So many things going on with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Armando Salguero comes out with, you know, uh, what I consider to be somewhat of a ridiculous premise that everybody for the Miami Dolphins is on the hot seat from Chris Greer to Mike McDaniel to Tua Tungavailoa. There's rumors again that Sean Payton and Tom Brady will be coming to the Miami Dolphins next year. You know, that comes from Armando Salguero. So do consider the source when we are talking about this and running with the story. But it's 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 unfathomable to be unfathomable to me, Chris, that this is happening yet again. I mean, this was everything that was swirling around last year. The the balls of Steven Ross and the Miami Dolphins, if this is true, to be like, yeah, we're going to go get Sean Payton and Tom Brady after losing draft picks, after being suspended, after being fined uh, because of this pursuit last year. I mean, you can't even get Sean Payton without trading for him, first of all. So you're going to what? give up more draft capital. That's why I think this is kind of bullshit, is that I don't think the Miami Dolphins even have a first round pick uh, of any sort of substance to give the New Orleans Saints in order to go get Sean Payton, number one. Number two, I mean, Tom Brady may be more realistic, but is Tom Brady going to come in here without Sean Payton? Is he going to come in here with Mike McDaniel, who's basically hitched his wagon to Tua Tungavailoa? I don't know. It just seems like an unnecessary distraction. It almost seems like a like some sort of, like <laughs> I'm going to say conspiracy, as I'm wearing my Miami Dolphins uh, tinfoil hat here, to somehow further fracture this Miami Dolphins franchise at a critical point where they can still salvage the season. If a couple things go their way this weekend, they can still get to the playoffs. Maybe you get to a back. Maybe there's you know something there. But now you have all of these rumors swirling around the Miami Dolphins again, going into week 18 with your third string quarterback. Now your starting quarterback against Joe Flacco, who, by the way, I should probably bring this up because people are like, oh, Joe Flacco, he's washed. And maybe he is. But career against the Miami Dolphins has a quarterback rating of 98.2. He's thrown 12 touchdowns, only four interceptions. I mean, the guy is actually, what, almost 2,000 yards throwing the ball against the Miami Dolphins in like seven career games. I mean, I think I'm pretty sure he's got a winning record uh, against in eight games. Sorry, in eight games against the Miami Dolphins. He's got a career winning record. It's, he's he's. He's poison for the Miami Dolphins. So, you know, kudos to the Jets for deploying him at the opportune time right now because Joe Flacco, the Miami Dolphins, is not a recipe that traditionally goes Miami's way. Is Kiko Alonso available? Is he in shape? We need linebacker help anyway. Let's go get Kiko. He's the Flacco killer. Um, yeah. So, like you said, a lot to unpack. Um, it, it's the weirdest podcast to, to record right now because you're coming, you're five, five game losing streak, two is out. Teddy's out. Skyler's, uh, you know, starting. Um, 
and there is a, a, there's a possibility that we win the Super Bowl still. Like in week 18, like we, it's still, that's still, it's a pipe dream, but it's still an option where you're not eliminated mathematically. In fact, we have probably one of the easier uh, scenario driven ends of seasons that we've had. Normally it's like, we need four teams to lose and we have to win by 40 and it has to rain in the third quarter, like stuff like that. It's like we win Buffalo wins. We're in, that's it. And it's like a jets team. That's beatable. It's hard to beat a team twice in the same season. Jets already beat us once and Buffalo. Let's be honest. I know we're going to roll into this. I think they're going to fucking fleece the Patriots by 50 after, uh, DeMar Hamlin removes his breathing tube and addresses the entire team and basically win one for the Gipper. And I, I don't see Buffalo losing and hoisting the Super Bowl trophy based on this. Like, I mean, the way he got up, I was listening to it as we're potting up right now. Uh, the players stood and went crazy when they saw him, heard him. Um, I don't think the Patriots get anywhere close to beating the Bills this weekend. Yeah, I mean, you know, football aside, you and I were, were, were somewhat talking about how do we even address the DeMar Hamlin thing or even, you know, do we? I don't think we can't. Right. Um, you know, that was the scariest thing I've ever seen, you know, in my entire life of watching football, just seeing him stand up and then immediately drop back down. Um, my initial thought was, oh, my God, we just saw a man die on on yes. national TV and say what you will about the Buffalo Bills. I know they're a rival to the Miami Dolphins and a big one. And I've said over and over and over again on this show that they are the team that I hate the most. That's the franchise that I despise the most in terms of football rivalries for the Miami Dolphins. But all that aside, you never want to see what happened to DeMar Hamlin. Um, unfortunately for the Buffalo Bills, I, I you know, this happened on a somewhat of a scale with Kevin Everett years ago. I don't know if people remember this. He was um, he was a tight end on special teams and uh, against the Broncos. He gets hit uh, or he hit somebody or I don't remember the exact scenario, but he falls and, and is paralyzed almost immediately. And thankfully, due to the medical staff, due to uh, the quick and first responders, they were able to not only save his life, but he uh, is able to walk against all the odds to this day. I mean, they lowered his body temperature at the time to help stop the swelling of everything that was happening inside of his body. It was damn near a miracle. And this is a miracle. I mean, I'm out here in California, Chris, and there are billboards all over the place uh, for Damar Hamlin. I mean, this is Something like this happens. Everybody sees it. It's very visible. It shakes you to your core as a player, as a coach, as a fan, any as a human being. And everybody has come together to rally around him. So I, I, as as much as I don't like the Buffalo Bills, I, I have a hard time rooting against them this weekend. Uh, not only for the selfish purposes for the Miami Dolphins, but just because the 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 they deserve it. They right. every their teammate, their brother, their family member fell. Um, it looked really, really bad there. It looked really sketchy. Um, and against all odds, man, it looks like he's going to pull through. And to your point, I think the Buffalo Bills are going to take this out of the rally cry. They're going to they're going to use this, and they're going to use it as fuel uh, to make a deep playoff run. And, and good for them. I mean, honestly, good for them. Uh, if they're able to, to turn this absolutely negative, horrible situation into a positive for DeMar Hamlin and his family, as well as themselves. So I agree with you. I think it's going to be on the Miami Dolphins to effectively control their own destiny here. I think the Bills are going to go out. Uh, the Bills are probably going to beat the Patriots handily um, for no other reason other than I think they feel they need to go out and do that. And um, the, the, the Dolphins and the Jets are playing at the exact same time. So it's going to be up to the Miami Dolphins to beat a Joe Flacco-led down and out New York Jets team. Um, and here's the problem, Chris. If we win in that scenario, we're in the playoffs. If we lose, we finish last in the AFC East. Oh my God. 
<laughs> that's that's the spectrum we're up against here for the Miami Dolphins. It's bizarre, man. That just shows how good we were doing. Um, as everyone else is beating the shit out of each other, we're eight and three. Like, let's go, king of the castle, king of the castle, and uh, it just collapsed from underneath us. And teams continued losing, so we stayed up there for the longest of times. Um, and and here we are. Like like you said, we can go from an absolute drastic opportunity to go to the playoffs or be in dead last in the AFCs. Which, let's be honest, if we are um, a player or two away. Um, that might not be the worst thing because that means next year we play the last place team in the AFC South and we play the last place team in the AFC North and what uh, West and so on. So um, maybe that's a good thing if it happens. Um, I mean, or, or, I mean, honestly, one or two things are going to happen. We're going to go to the playoffs um, or, or we're going to, you know, um, we're going to win and the bills are going to lose. That's the other thing. That's the other option. Yeah. And of course I'm predicting that we win by 40. We kill Joe Flacco. Uh, God too soon. And uh, the bills uh, lose to the Patriots and we don't go to the playoffs. And it's all our fault. Yeah. The, the scenario being that we win and the Patriots somehow beat the bills to get into the playoffs, you know, again, would, <laughs> This is our nightmare. That would be nightmare. worse. I think that'd be worse than losing to the Jets because at this point, I think we're looking at this going. You know, look, we can't win a game. We're on our third string quarterback. We're injured everywhere. The defense doesn't know what they're doing. Uh, you know, so if you lose to the Jets, you kind of go okay. But if you beat the Jets and you beat them handily, and you still can't make the playoffs because of your own dumbassery over the last five weeks, it's almost just like an extra kick to the nuts, right? You're just like, oh great, you know, here we had the shot, and all of a sudden it goes away again. Here's the thing about this Miami Dolphins team, Chris. That they just. It's asinine. It's absolutely asinine. I saw reports that the ping pong table, you know, ping pong gate, uh, the ping pong table has been removed, Chris. They're taking it seriously. The ping pong table's out of the locker room. And and what am I supposed to do with that information? Why is there a ping pong table in the Miami Dolphins locker room? I mean, this isn't baseball where you have 180 you know, million games and maybe you need to kill some time because you're a pitcher and you're not playing for the next four games. This is football. You get one game a week. Why do we have ping pong in there right now? Is there not enough entertainment between your phone and your video game systems and the music and the camaraderie with your teammates and just focusing on the task at hand? Do we really need to, you know, have somebody win 21 to 18 in table tennis? Like, why is this even a thing? Why am I knowing about this, Chris? Um, to be fair, I heard ping pong going on in the background of the Bengals locker room uh, interviews yesterday. Um, I think it's one of those things, guys, just, you know, it brings them closer together um in between practices and games what have you um I, this screams Stephen Ross to me this screams Stephen Ross he's like the you know in Happy Gilmore when um Happy picks up a huge boulder and throws it into the lake and his caddy's just like uh yeah and grabs a smaller rock and throws it into the lake like that's Stephen Ross going I don't know football but you know what I'm taking this fucking ping pong table that'll show you to go on a five game losing streak yeah and he pulls his you know evil mustache dastardly deeds and takes the ping pong table and the guys are like yeah fuck you man <laughs> like it's our ping pong table like we're not losing because uh you know uh fucking ted karras he's never on the team we're not losing <laughs> we're not losing because little can't beat chubb in a fucking ping pong match it's it's just a thing on the side they put a slide in the locker room yeah they, a slide that screams let's have some fun in here <laughs> what else is fun ping pong this is well, Steven Ross. Look, speaking of slide, it's appropriate because we've been sliding down the standings here for the last five weeks. We were eight and three, the number one seed in the AFC. Ugh. Now we're the third place team that could possibly be last in the AFC East if we lose to the Jets. It's it's a, it's a remarkable 
drop. It's a remarkable, like, I don't know, even the expectations. We went, we were so high at eight and three. We were cocky dolphins everywhere. Dolphins everywhere. We're talking shit. We're wearing logo stuff. I'm buying stuff online in the middle of the night because I'm so confident this team is here to stay at the top. Uh, and now I'm like, well, let's put this in the closet. Like I'm not wearing this jacket anytime soon. Um, is this, I, I know you were much younger at the time here, Chris, but is this worse than what happened in 1993 when the team was nine and two and then dropped to nine and seven and missed the playoffs? Is this worse than that? Um, it is because I'm, I remember it, um, nine and two to go to nine and seven is pretty bad, <laughs> uh, but it's not much worse than here. I think it is because of what we did in the off season to, uh, to load up. I know McDaniel's a first uh, year coach, uh, but we had so many opportunities to win close games, to beat teams, to prove it's finally a different season, a different team. And I feel lied to Sam, because Mike McDaniel in his press conference said, how cool would it be? to be that team that goes to the playoffs and wins one for the first time since 2000. You tell me, Mike, because you had an opportunity and your team has lost five straight football games and a lot of most of them winnable. Like there was no like blowouts where you're like, oh, yeah, that's a better team. Like completely shit the bed. Um, Somebody made a great point. We went into the locker room 30 nothing against the Houston Texans and a different team has been out of the locker room ever since. Um, You come out to Sherfield at first play of the game against 49ers. And I don't think we've ever been higher as a franchise. Like we're ready to go. The fan base is going crazy. Holy shit. We're on the road. We're fuck the West coast. And then Brock Purdy and the rest is history. I, I just Mac Jones, just take to take it back specifically the last week is a terrible quarterback. He is so bad. He was bouncing balls left and right, throwing behind guys and just overthrowing go routes that are wide open. And we still lost. Like there, it's just, it, it this team is just the epitome of the Miami Dolphins franchise. And you mentioned before about conspiracy, Sam, people joke in jest about us being cursed, but dude, like if we don't come out of the schneid this week, uh, I'm going to start to believe it. It's the curse of the Tequestas, my dad calls it. I mean, do we have to do some sort of like ritualistic cleansing of the, uh, uh, the area around Joe Robbie stadium or dolphin stadium or hard rock stadium, as it's called here today. I mean, do we need to dig up the old bones and, and move them? Because whatever we got to do at Vulture some guys. point, the Miami Dolphins have to figure out how to be a team that wins games consistently. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. This franchise is allergic to sustained success. I mean, they make the playoffs every four or five years, and they lose in the first round, and then it's just mediocrity again. <clears throat> you go through one or two coaching carousels, and then you get that to that area once again. And I'm afraid, Chris, that that's going to happen here. Like, even if we do make the playoffs, even if the Bills beat the Patriots and the Dolphins beat the Jets and we're in and everybody's high-fiving, you know, what's the reward? We go to Kansas City? We go to <laughs> Buffalo? Like, what 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 do we get out of this? And And I heard this, and it was kind of sobering, Chris. Not once in the Super Bowl era has a team that's needed help to get into the playoffs the last week of the regular season has have they ever gone on to win the Super Bowl? It's never happened. There are teams that have won, but they control their own destiny going into that last week. We don't control our own destiny technically. So we're part of that group that if we make it, historically speaking, and we're talking 50 some odd years here, we're not going to win the Super Bowl. The problem is, do you say, I would rather not make the playoffs so that I have a higher first round pick? We don't have a first round pick. Right. 
we're kind of stuck, man. We're, we, we did what the Miami Dolphins always do and that we sold out the you know near to mid future to try to win now. And then you don't win now. And now you're just in purgatory. Um, so what's better, making the playoffs and being out or just losing the playoffs, knowing that we're not going to do anything anyways and trying to start over yet again? No, what's better is we go to the playoffs because it's the NFL. You have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. You have a puncher's chance. I don't care who you play against. Just look at that Ravens game. I mean, if we have to do a shootout, Chiefs have been in shootouts, man. If we get a shootout, it's 40-40 and, and Arrowhead and we're fucking all out. Come on. Everybody would love that, even if it comes out Millhouse. Like, we're still enjoying that completely. A little Simpson reference for you, Sam. Um Sorry, I had to rip some uh, New York Jets there. Um, <laughs> that stinks. <laughs> I, hope that, I hope that came up on the mic. But yeah, you want a puncher's chance. When you have the weapons that we do on uh, the mind of Mike McDaniel and give him an opportunity, at least give him an opportunity, it's way better than that week leading into playoffs, listening to the national media just absolutely shit show us because that's going to happen if we lose. Okay. And, 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 and I agree with you. I think making the play, you always want to make the playoffs. If you can make the playoffs, regardless of what the outcome is, because like you said, at least from a fan standpoint, there is hope until there is no more hope. I don't want to get into off season talk too far right now because the the season is not over technically yet. Right. But given Armando Salguero's uh, report, quote unquote, on outkick, um, it sounds like the Miami Dolphins, or at least maybe in his mind's eye are looking at making some changes yet again. If, if this doesn't go our way, or even if it does, let's say we make the playoffs and we're one and done or whatever the case may be, anything short of making maybe, let's just say, the AFC championship game, are changes coming to the Miami Dolphins coaching staff? And what I mean by that is, is Mike McDaniel in trouble? I don't think he is, especially if we make the playoffs. Is Josh Boyer, the defensive coordinator, in trouble? Is Danny Crossman, our special teams coordinator, is he in trouble? And maybe more importantly than all that is Chris Greer, our general manager, who we've been praising quite a bit here because of all the moves that he made. You know, we did the whole quote unquote, fuck them picks. Let's go get that Super Bowl right now. Is he in trouble for the moves that he has made, specifically people like Bradley Chubb, the 2020 draft, things of that nature? Are changes coming to the Miami Dolphins short of us making the AFC championship slash Super Bowl? Here's my order of most likely. I'll go with most likely first. Boyer's gone. Like there's, he was a holdover from, from Flores. He is proof that it wasn't him. It was Brian Flores, whether it was game planning prior to the game or just in-game decisions. If he ended up taking over Brian Flores, say all you want about as a head coach, obviously great defensive mind. And and it, it just shows because Boyer is like, no, no. That's like if me and my wife were together and everybody's like, your house is always so clean. And I'm like, I know it's a mutual effort. And then she leaves me and they come over and I'm hoarding and there's a mess everywhere. Uh, she obviously was the one keeping it clean. That's that's my metaphor. So that, that's most likely. Next likely, special teams coach. We have been a, abysmal on special teams. Like there has not been one bright spot. I can't even think of any. Uh, maybe did we block a punt? Uh, maybe I think we did. once we, we did. And Van we got, a, we got a, scored. Yes. Yeah. It was Ingram. I think blocked the punt. I think week one, week two, <laughs> like here we are week 18. It, it's blurry because it's been that long. That's like the only bright spot from our special teams this year. We're used to Dan Rizzi screaming his fucking eyeballs out at referees and players and going crazy with a cater Kahoo or something, making a big play. I don't even know what this guy's name is. You just said it and I already forgot it. And I don't know what he looks like. I could have passed him in the grocery store today and I've been in dolphin shit. And he'd be like, Hey, I'm like, fuck off, dude. Like I don't have any money. 
you know, uh, he, he's gone. Yeah, Go ahead. his name's Danny Crossman, and you would know him if you saw him in the in the uh, in, in the in the grocery store because he'd be the one fumbling the loaf of bread into his uh, cart. <laughs> but uh, no, the uh, I think the, and and, Dar- and Darren Rizzi, like you talked about. I mean, we've had a lot of his former players on here, and even without bringing up that name, and even when we did to a man said that guy made them not only better players, but better people. And he was the reason that they were in the league as long as they were. I mean, we had people like Nolan Carroll, who was a pretty good cornerback who got paid from the Philadelphia Eagles. When he left here, gave Darren Rizzi all that credit. So this is how I made it in the league and eventually became a defensive starter. Uh, Jimmy Wilson, same thing. I mean, we, 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 we know what a good special teams coach can do for a roster, for a team. And we unfortunately now know what a bad special teams coach and bad special teams play can mean for you as, as a franchise as well. I mean, yes, we did block that punt and that's true, but we also gave up kick returns for touchdowns. We gave up kick returns that set up other teams in the red zone. We punted a ball into our own players asshole. I mean, we <laughs> we've done, we've missed so many extra points and field goals that I've lost count at this point. It's, it's, it's been a very bad year for special teams for the Miami dolphins. And I agree with you. I think he has to go. I do think Josh Boyer is going to be gone. I mean, the only excuse he can use is everybody's injured, which is true. Everybody is injured. So how can you deploy the defense you want when you've got literally a, an entire defensive backfield of backups? But at the same time, there's some decisions here, man, that just aren't making any sense. I mean, I go back to that Los Angeles Chargers game where it's third and goal from like the 14 and you put your entire defense other than two players into the end zone because you're guarding against a touchdown. What do they do? They get 13 when they had 14 to go. And then on fourth and goal from the one, they score a touchdown. Like, why not play your regular defense and, and, and stop them at the seven and guess what they're kicking a field goal versus a touchdown it's ridiculous play calls like that you look at that patriots game it's been dissected over and over and over again here from wow. last week chris where we've got what duke riley on a wide receiver on a go on a touch on a goal to go situation screaming like, for help while he's also like signaling to mac jones hey throw it here i'm afraid yeah I, I i i cannot cover this guy somebody help me and everyone else on defense is like no i think that's your guy like good luck like it's just there's a and that massive... was after they called a timeout. I know he it's, did it, it twice, it, and they saved him the first time by calling a timeout. When there's a timeout, I was like, it's got to be us. And it's like the timeout Patriots. I'm like, what? Yeah. And then they come out from the timeout and do it again. <laughs> Are you kidding me? And and you know the explanation because they can't give away too much was like, oh, some people saw it this way, some people saw it that way. Well, that's a coaching issue. That's a lack yes. of communication issue. Like that is on some level the players, but they don't. If they're not comfortable in that situation, then that goes back to coaching, in my opinion. That's not, hey, this guy just didn't run fast enough, or he missed a tackle. This is they don't even know how to line up because they haven't been taught the right way. And now we have people in you know god awful positions. Like, how do you even? blame Duke Riley in that situation. Like it's just a bad situation. And I think that goes back to coaching and speaking of coaching, you know, Mike McDaniel, I've been a, I've been a fan. So have you since he's come here and there's a lot of positives and I want to make sure that we don't forget about that, but my God, has this guy ever seen a timeout and said, yeah, I'd like to keep that to the two minute warning. Like he just gets rid of them left and right. In some cases you have to do it. You know, the clock's running down. You don't want to take a penalty in a critical area. 
fine. But how many times has Tua or the other quarterbacks had to take a timeout because the clock, the play clock is running out? Well, that's a that's a fundamental issue with your offense in this case that you aren't ready on time. You know, it's it's so bad when you have to do that over and over and over almost every single game. And then you're looking at it, uh, especially during this losing streak, Chris, where you're down by like a score and there's two minutes left and you have one timeout or you have no timeouts. And you're like, we need to be able to hit a bomb and somebody fall down for Tyreek or Jalen to, you know, to get into the end zone in order for this to work. We can't work the clock. We have to work the sidelines with quarterbacks who don't have strong arms and can't just zip that ball to the sidelines. It's, it's a comedy of errors. And, you know, it's, it's two weeks in a row. We've been super negative on this show and I hate that, but I I don't know where else to go with this program right now. That's just the way it is. Well, and I breaking news as we record this, so it will be old news by the time they hear it, but let's, I want to get your take on it. Uh, we already know Joe Flacco starting, um, Mike White's out. Um, Jets have now ruled out three starting offensive linemen for Sunday's game at, at Miami, uh, left tackle Dwayne Brown, right tackle George Fant and right guard Nate Herbig. So we'll get one sack. We'll get one sack and it'll be like. Van Ginkle and Wilkins yeah. on half sacks. It won't even be Chubb or Phillips. Um, no, it'll be Eric Rowe on a blitz. Like that's right. what we're going to get. It's going to be him and Christian Wilkins teaming up and we're going to be like, yay. And then we're going to lose, you know, 21 to 18. But but back back to your point about Mike McDaniel and, and the disappointing uh, things that we've seen. Is this guy's from Yale? He's smart, analytics. He comes from the Shanahan tree. Um, Shanahan's most known for making the biggest blunder in NFL history by refusing to run the fucking football up multiple scores against Tom Brady in a Super Bowl. Um, so decision making isn't maybe maybe you're out thinking yourself. I think there was a play to either the Packers game or the Patriots game where he did not challenge. Yeah. And it was a clear no catch from the other team on a deep route. I think it was Mercedes Lewis and the Packers. It was. It was on the, the sidelines. Third quarter. And, yes. uh, and we're screaming for him to challenge, and he refuses to. But he's going to challenge like these most ridiculous things. And can we talk about the Patriots for a second game where Tyreek Hill had the same exact catch as the Patriots player? They ruled down from the top that Tyreek's was incomplete. We had to challenge the pa- uh, the Patriots catch, and we lost it, by the way. But Tyreek's was ruled incomplete. Fucking bullshit. Well, look, I mean, we can have an almost a completely different podcast when we're talking right. about the referees and their decisions this year. I mean, that's every year. I, to me, usually, usually uh, the, the decisions or lack of decisions by the, uh, the refs in the NFL tend to balance out. I mean, <laughs> against the Niners. Cater Kahu got his first uh, interception, clearly pass interference in order to get that. They didn't call that. But I mean, True. to me, those are the types of things that even out almost like balls and strikes uh, in baseball to me. And now that occasionally there's an egregious error there. But Mike McDaniel has not won one challenge all season. Like Unreal. the things that he challenges, I'm like, that's clearly not going our way. Like who who's telling him that this is a good idea? I mean, when it comes to clock management, game management, that's an area where Mike McDaniel really needs to learn. And, well, and, that maybe, and like stopping the run game when it's working or different yeah. scoring situations. He's just overthinking, I think. And it is a first year. I just hope it's not like detrimental enough to where Stephen Ross is like, I'm getting Jim Harbaugh. Fuck it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's that's the area where maybe you look at it and go, it's first year coaching, you know, jitters or just the inexperience of how to use timeouts or when to use them or when it's okay to take a penalty because that timeout is more valuable than the five yards we're about to lose. Or or, or even just, you know, I'm not going to challenge that because the, you know, there's a 50-50 chance it's going to go my way and I need that timeout later. 
uh, you know, those types of things. Again, going back to Brian Flores, I remember Brian Flores after his first preseason game. That was one of the things that he brought up and, and you know, give him credit there where he's like, look, where your red flag is matters in, in your belt buckle or in your pocket. And, you know, how you throw it out there to make sure that the other team is understanding that or the refs understand that you're challenging a flag, like little details like that made a whole lot of sense. Now, granted, Brian Flores also was like, you suck as a quarterback. So maybe the bigger details he needed to work on and not so much on the minutia. But Mike McDaniel needs to work on the minutia. He needs to figure out how to better utilize the clock to our advantage because we got double dipped uh, what against the Packers where they got a field goal and then they got a touchdown coming out of the, the, the halftime break there. So we, we got a, a minus 10. And of course, part of that's because we fumbled the ball away to them, but we mm-hmm. got double dipped for 10 points without ever having the ball back. You know, that's inexcusable to me, whether you're first year coach or a 30 year coach, you have to figure out ways to not let that happen. Um, and he's not good at that right now. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, if he does stick around, which I hope he does, I think you do too. Um, he brings in a maybe a more experienced defensive coordinator with head coaching experience, kind of help him with those things. It, it's something we've talked about with Adam Gase and and everybody that you can be an offensive coordinator, but are you a good leader of men? Can right. you handle little things like the minutia, like you said? Um, you're worried about flights and who's going to be, what, you know, what uniform we're wearing, uh, what color gloves and cleat scheme are we going with? That's stuff you didn't have to ever think about that is now filling up your mind and your mental ca- capacity instead of just calling plays or thinking about little things like timeouts and red flags. So hopefully it gets better than that. Hopefully it brings in some help. And then when it comes to the play calling, it's just got to be one of those things where Let's think about it, guys. Everybody's talking about he's the offensive coordinator for the 49ers last year. I don't think he was calling plays. Shanahan was calling the plays. He was like the he was like the Philbin, you know, McCarthy. He was doing the game plan, but considered the offensive coordinator, but not calling the plays. So it's his first year doing that too, in my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong, but full full blown calling plays, I would say. Right. Because as I understood it, he was the one relaying plays into Shanahan and Shanahan had the, you know, veto power essentially to be like, no, we're not doing that. That's stupid. We're going to run the ball because, you know, Debo Samuel's got a hundred yards on three, you know, rushes right now. And I'm going to give him the ball again or whatever the case may be. I'm okay with the play calling. I'm fine with the head coach also being your play caller because I think it keeps him in the game. It's something that he likes to do. And he's different than Adam Gase and that I do think he's better with the players than Adam Gase could ever, you know, think to be, but you're right. He also needs somebody. This is where your assistant coach, who is also our tight ends coach was supposed to be valuable. This is where they're supposed to come in and be like, you want to challenge that? Or, you know, look, we only got one timeout left or we only have two timeouts. We just burned a timeout in the first quarter. We really need to be careful with the next two timeouts so that we have a fighting shot going into halftime. I don't know that that's happening right now. And and I, and I am going to start looking at some of his staff. I think that's where we're going to see it, Chris. I think you're going to see some turnover on the staff and not in a good way. It's not like somebody's going to go from our staff and go get promoted. It seemed that way. It seemed like maybe our offensive coordinator or Darren Bevel might go out and get a, a head coaching gig. That's not going to be the case. Um, but there's got to be some changes on the defensive side, special team side, and there's got to be somebody, some sort of offensive quality coach helping him uh, sideline, sideline every single weekend. Yeah, absolutely agreed. And hopefully that's what we see. In my opinion, I guess if we're making predictions on that, um, unless something ridiculous happens, like Steven Ross is just like, hey, I told you, Greer, um, this better work. If not, it's your ass. And and he lets him go. Either McDaniel brings in a GM or Steven Ross hasn't made the brightest decision, Sam. I can see him trying to get Sean Payton 
um, and, and getting rid of Mike McDaniel. Uh, but in my opinion, other than something crazy like that happening, Mike McDaniel will be back for year two, hopefully reloaded and healthier. And we get to see uh, a little bit more, more that can wet our palate. Yeah. And, you know, let, let's let's try to end somewhat on a good note here. We've got uh, we do have some score predictions that we're going to do for this Jets Dolphins fiasco here on Sunday. Uh, but there is some good news in the land of the Miami Dolphins. And again, I feel like we could have just played last season's week 18. It's the same news that we had then. Unfortunately, we have to report it again. But uh, a little bit of hope, at least for the legacy of Miami Dolphins uh, players, and that Zach Thomas was named one of the 15 finalists for the NFL Hall of Fame. Congratulations to Mr. Zach Thomas, I, uh, I, I'm a huge fan of Zach. I know he's probably the guy for you when it comes to Miami Dolphins players. Obviously, your son was named after uh, Mr. Zach Thomas, number 54 there. Um, I'm happy to know, and, and I don't know if I've brought this up on the air or not in the past, but uh, if I have, then then so what? You know, you guys are going to have to deal with it. But Zach Thomas is very aware of this show. Zach Thomas is aware that you and I are fans. Zach Thomas has uh, gone out of his way via text to say that this show is awesome and that we are the man because of our support for him on Twitter, social media, as well as this show here. So we are rooting for Zach Thomas for many, many reasons, mainly because of his playing career, but he just seems like a great guy and the very limited interactions, not even firsthand that I've had with him. Um, so I'm hoping that this is the year, Chris. I'm hoping that he finally gets his just desserts. Jimmy Johnson came out and said he's had what? 13 or 14 Hall of Famers that he's drafted and coached. And Zach Thomas is as deserving as any of those players that have already been into the Hall of Fame. And we're talking people like Troy Aikman, Emmett Smith, so on and so forth. Jason Taylor, of course, uh, he's getting the endorsements. The right people are saying the right things. I look at this class and, 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 and it pisses me off that I even have to say this, but the class in general looks weak. So it's a good opportunity for Zach to make it in. And that shouldn't be the case. He should be in already. We shouldn't even be talking about this, but uh, what do you thought? What are your thoughts, man? Zach Thomas, one of the top 15, five get in. Uh, do you think he's one of those five? Yeah, he has, he has to be like, he can't start creeping up on, you know, the legacy bullshit. Like, I mean, come on. Bonacani being in there, uh, or not? I'm sorry, not Bonacani. I love Bon Nick Bonacani. Uh, Baselli from the fucking Jags getting in. He played like four seasons. Absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Um, the guys that are on this list can wait. They can definitely wait. There's it's a very diluted group. There's no like Troy Polamalu's or Peyton Manning's that are like, oh yeah, shoe in. Um, so Zach's got to get in. He has to get in. He deserves it. Like you said, he's a great player, but a great person. And he did it against all odds. I mean, like he's undersized. He's slow. He's uh, did everything right in the classroom by studying tape and his instincts. Um, and it's just a hell of a good player. That was the last time we actually enjoyed sustained success, even if it was, um, never the ending we wanted at least we were competitive and we knew we could win every game so zach thomas has to get in um he, he deserves it he has let's, to be in let's just go through it here I, I got the list right here you you ready you just tell me five of them are getting in so you got to say yes or no based on what you know about these players and we know these players pretty well we've seen all of these players uh here are your top 15 jared allen yes or no no willie anderson yes or no the lineman i believe so <laughs> No, I don't remember. The fact that you have to ask that question means right. it's a no. Rondé Barber, yes or no? No. Dwight Freeney, yes or no? Ooh. We need five, so let's just say yes. for. Freeney. I'm going yes. The guy had over 100 sacks. This is his first year of eligibility. I think Dwight Freeney is in. So there's one. Devin Hester, yes or no? No. 
Tory Holt, yes or no? Yes. I would put Tory Holt in. I agree with you. Andre Johnson, yes no. or no? I agree. And I Albert, love the U. I, and Andre Johnson was a great player, but he's not making it in this class. Albert Lewis. No. Daryl Rivas. Yes. He's 100% going in. Joe Thomas. No. I disagree with you. I think he's going in. Joe Thomas is one of those guys. He was an overall pick. He played for the Browns, but he was the gold standard for left tackle. And if Tony Baselli is going in, then Joe Thomas, I guarantee you, is going in. I but will that's, bet you lunch. That's why I think, okay, I, I think that's why I, I don't have him in is because, like, do we put another fringe left tackle in the Hall of Fame? Uh, but with this class, he, he, he definitely might be. In my opinion, Joe Thomas is more of a Hall of Famer than Tony Baselli. 100%. Oh, me, too. me too. I hate that Tony Baselli is in the, it's a fucking travesty. Okay, Demarcus Ware, yes or no? Yes. Okay, so there's your four. You've four. got four, and here I, and I haven't mentioned Zach's name yet. Reggie Wayne. <laughs> to me, Reggie Wayne goes in over Demarcus Ware. Well, and I'm thinking Reggie Wayne goes in over Tory Holt. Holt's been nominated he's been missing so as reggie the the, 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 yeah. the the three first timers are dwight freeney Darrell Rivas, and joe thomas and i think all three of those are going in so you're really talking in my opinion you're talking two spots because there's only yeah, five i don't they think they do two i don't think they do two spots for receivers so no to reggie i would Wayne. i think you're he's probably younger. okay so then you got patrick willis no he i don't think enough. he he was and a great you player. put him in over zach thomas who no. played the same position absolutely not i'll riot i'll riot no. No Patrick way. Willis was a fantastic player, but he's yeah. he did not have Zach Thomas's career. I agree with you. And Darren Woodson. No. You already have Darrell Rivas there, right? So Darrell Rivas goes right. in. Joe Thomas goes in. Dwight Freeney goes in, in my opinion. So Dwight Freeney is your pass rusher, right? Your your edge rusher. Darrell Rivas, cornerback, Rivas Island. We know he's going in. I think Joe Thomas was a fantastic left tackle. And if you again, the precedent was set last year. If you're putting Tony Baselli in, then you're putting Joe Thomas. And Tony Baselli got in because he had one good game against Bruce Smith. That's it. That That's is right. it. Um, to me, I think you have Torrey Holt in there. I think you do have him as your wide receiver. Uh, but you have Reggie Wayne. I don't care one way or the other. Um, one or the other. And then you've got Zach Thomas. To me, Zach Thomas is a top five player in this. He's better than Jared Allen. He's better than Willie Anderson. He's better than Rondé Barber, better than Devin Hester, better than Andre Johnson, better than Albert Lewis, Demarcus Ware, Patrick Willis, and Darren Woodson. That's your five for me. My five are Dwight Franey, Torrey Holt, Daryl Rivas, Joe Thomas, Zach Thomas. Yeah, guys- Zach Thomas is top three, in my opinion, out of this. So I Agreed. really think he's in. Um, the, yeah, the only a hundred percent, we have pretty much the same list other than Joe Thomas. So, um, there, there's, there's no, there's no way Zach doesn't, I mean, come on, it, especially with the way Erlacher's come out, Peyton Manning's come out, Tom Brady has come out. Um, this guy's got to make it in. Uh, it, it would, it would, I said this last year, I'd be shocked if he didn't make it. I, I think even more this year, because again, it, it starts to get really, really tough after this year in terms of the eligibility requirements, yeah. you know, some of these players that are 100% bona fide. Hall of Famers, um, he's going to have a hard road ahead of him if he doesn't get in this year. But I think there's a lot of good momentum for him. You know, people are are saying the right things. The right people are saying the right things at the right time. Um, so I'm hoping, you know, maybe we don't make the playoffs. Maybe we don't win the Super Bowl here in 2023. But maybe we'll get our boy, number 54, Zach Thomas. In that case, perfect feels going to Canton, buddy. I was thinking of that you and I maybe need to have a conversation uh, on the awards night. If this actually happens, that may, there might be a little road trip in the uh, in the future here for the town of Perfectville. Yeah, I just drove to Cleveland not that long ago for the middle school national championship and drove right past right past it. So it was a pretty mm-hmm. cool area. 
All right, Chris. Well, we talked about Zach Thomas. We talked about everything that's going on with this Miami Dolphins franchise. Uh, it's time. It's time for us to figure this out. Are we going to win or are we going to lose? And are we making the playoffs or not? What is your prediction? Miami Dolphins versus the Jets. Miami Dolphins versus the playoffs. Absolute fucking snooze fest. And the Bills lose. We win 13-10. All right. So we win 13-10. And you just earlier this so said the Bills are winning by 50, but you've changed your mind. So we win 13-10, but missed the playoffs due to the Bills not holding up their end of the bargain. That's what you're telling me. If if you said the words listening to this podcast right now, that would be the most Dolphins thing ever. Yeah, that's why I said it, because it is. That's exactly what's going to happen. Well, I, I do think at some point during this game on Sunday afternoon, uh, it's going to be Joe Flacco versus Mike Glennon. And uh, oh. the fact that our playoff future is going to come down to those two quarterbacks at some level, that is my prediction, ridiculous or otherwise, um, blows my mind here, Chris. That's where we're at. Uh, I think the Miami Dolphins are going to squeak past the Jets. The Jets are in a really, really bad spot right now. They don't look good. You just talked about how everybody's basically sat down. It's almost like the Jets are laying down their sword saying, hey, we're not going to be the reason why the Dolphins don't make the playoffs. The Dolphins will be the reasons that they don't make the playoffs. Um, I think the Dolphins are going to win. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I'm going to call it 20-14. to 14. Uh, I don't think it's going to be particularly fun to watch. It's going to be dirty. It's going to be gross. Um, and I think the I, I agree with your first take. I think the Bills are going to come out and win because they have an opportunity. It's really going to depend on what the Chiefs do Saturday, of course, but they have an opportunity for a home field advantage. And uh, I think that rally cry around uh, their fallen comrade there is, is, is going to resonate with that entire team. And they're going to go out and beat up the Patriots here, there, and everywhere. But it's really up to the Bills in many ways. Like they get to kind of choose who their opponent's going to be in the first round right now. That's that's kind of a, a fun place to be if you're the Buffalo Bills. But I say the eternal optimist, Chris, Miami Dolphins win twenty to fourteen. They squeak into the playoffs, and we live to talk another day about this current team, as opposed to what's going to happen in the future. Well, let's hope we're packing our bags for Canton and packing our microphones for next week for a playoff run, buddy. Well, uh, from your lips to God's ears, as people say, but uh, that's going to do it here. Chris, anything else you want to talk about? Anything we missed? Anything that we haven't covered here in the town of Perfectville? Uh, just a quick shout out to my baby boy. He got his first college football letter yesterday as a wow. true freshman. I'm going to get my first one to my junior year. Unbelievable. You know, I keep telling you, you got to have him stop playing this whole game of football, considering what he's doing with rugby. But then uh, stuff like that happens, and exactly. I go, well, I'll just shut the hell up. <laughs> exactly. So, yep, uh, pretty neat. Pretty damn neat. Proud okay. of him. Congratulations to Zachary Thomas Cullen. Uh, following in his father's footsteps, following in his namesake's footsteps. Uh, good to see you all the way around. One last shout-out, not to uh, steal the thunder there, but shout-out to Raced and the family. Uh, he just had another kid. Raced hey. is kind of... Uh, He's not only just a, a member of this show as a, as a listener. He's like the he's, head of the HOA, right? Well, and the dude, has, he is the head of the HOA in the town of Perfectville. The guy has contributed so much to this show over the last six years um, that uh, as, as annoying as he can be sometimes and eye roll inducing as he can be, he's also <laughs> funny uh, and just seems like a really good dude. So uh, shout out to Race and the family. Congratulations to him. Congrats, Race. And uh, congratulations to whoever won the okayest fantasy league ever, um, I believe. Let me just look that up here, Chris. Uh, I, I I beat I you in the uh, like ninth place game or something. That was fun. You, you didn't even like look at your team clearly. I, I did not. I did not give a shit um, about this league this year. I did a very bad job of of actually caring. But let me uh, let me let me actually take a look here for the first time in quite some time. Let's see who actually won the okayest league ever. The butt 
punters who were formerly the butt fumblers, I believe got second, uh, mainly because of what happened on Monday night. They didn't get a chance to finish that game. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, Nick hammer, the butt punters actually won uh, the number one seed overall. He wins. Congratulations. 12 and two on the season, but wow. doing well beating dolphins mode. Uh, who was also 12 and two. 114.62 to 94.7. So congratulations to the butt punters, formerly the butt fumblers, for winning the okayest fantasy league ever uh, by a wide margin. So uh, that's it, man. All of our congrats are out of the way to everybody who deserved them. Nothing left to say, Chris, unless uh, you say otherwise. No, the only thing good. left to say on behalf of Chris Colin, the good doctor, the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer, Sam Marku, the entire Believe Network, Presented by betonline.ag is goodbye from Perfectville. Later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.